4, and we'll read from the opening verse. Verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have not received, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace made through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our late affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. May the Lord bless these verses to our hearts for his name's sake. Just at this point, I ask our brother William to bring to us some necessary announcements, please. Well, again, folks, we give you a very warm welcome here to the service in Cross Gar this evening. And for those who are tuning in, we welcome you as well. A special word of welcome to the Reverend McLarnon and his wife this evening. We do have uh, precious memories of having them down through the years to Reverend McLarnon to preach, McLarnon to preach and he and his wife to sing. And the Lord has blessed their ministry, I believe, in song tonight. We thank them for coming. Uh, do remember that the meetings as they continue in the will of the Lord. Uh, on Wednesday night at 7, the children's meeting, and the junior youth, and then the prayer meeting at 8 o'clock. And can I say that it has been encouraging, uh, the children's meeting and the junior youth, since it commenced a few weeks ago, uh, the numbers have been increasing. And do remember these works in prayer that the Lord will continue to bless the children and the junior youth meetings. The Youth Fellowship recommences again on Friday at 8 o'clock. I do remember the young people as they commence their meetings again. The men's late, prayer, uh, late night prayer meeting on Friday at 10, so men do remember that, please. The services next Lord's Day are all at the usual times. The Sunday school, the Bible class, the morning and the evening services are all at their usual times. And then uh, the Vision magazine and that the Bible Speak magazine and other magazines are available there in the porch. Do remember, too, Commencing in Ballinahinch uh, next Sunday, a gospel mission, and the evangelists are Mr. Noel Shields and Colin Maxwell. So do that. Rem do remember that in prayer, and as it comes around, 
be planned to attend and encourage our brethren there. These are all announcements and they're made subject to the will of the Lord. Thank you, William, for those announcements and the words of welcome. It's good to renew fellowship with you this evening. We're thankful to your minister for allowing us the opportunity to be here and trusting to bless his word to our hearts and bless and encourage you even in these days. Just before we turn to God's word, could we sing another hymn together? It's 608. 608. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. We'll stand again as we sing this hymn together. I invite you to turn, please, to that passage we'll be reading in 2 Corinthians 4. <clears throat> and by way of a text, we're taking the last verse of the, the chapter. 
When we look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. We need God's help as we turn to his word. Let's just bow for a moment in prayer, please. And again, let me encourage you to seek the Lord for a word for your soul. The Lord has brought you to this meeting for a purpose. There's a message here that the Lord has impressed upon my heart that won't go away. I've been burdened with this subject for some time, and I, I feel we have to look at it this evening. And I'd ask you to pray that the Lord would come reveal himself even to you this evening. Our Father, we thank thee for the love that drew salvation's plan, <clears throat> for the grace that brought it down to man. We thank you for that marvelous truth in thy word that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, as we look into this word this evening, into this subject, we ask of thee to impress upon us the importance of making ready for that day when we'll take our last breath <clears throat> in this scene of time, that day when we will all appear before thee. We pray, Lord, give judgment day honesty. Speak to any who are without a Savior tonight and give them the, the grace, the wisdom, the sense to lay hold upon Christ. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Well, come now, give utterance in the things of God. Bless thy word to every waiting heart, we pray thee. And grant that there may be that ready response within the heart. Those who are without a Savior would come, not waste any more time, but seek the Lord now for thy so great salvation. Well, we thank you for thy promise, him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Come, Lord, give us help now. Bless this word to us, we ask of thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Death, death, and more death. Isn't it all around us? And no matter where you go, it seems every day we're hearing of somebody else that we know passing away. And I mean, look at what the past week, or just a week or ten days, has held. Funerals every day on the news this past week. And where the child of God is concerned, the first thing that's, that comes to mind when you hear of somebody passing away, What's the first thing that comes to your mind? It's the question, where? Where is that one now? Yes, they're in God's eternity, but where? And you know, when it comes to dying, what else matters? Why is it these days that the one thing that every man needs more than anything else is the one thing we can't get people interested in? Preparation for eternity. Eternity. What a subject that is. The word eternity appears only once in all of the Bible. It's in Isaiah 57, 15, <clears throat> where it reads, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, that's God, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Eternity. Everything about this life is temporary. It's all passing away. God's word says in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And by heaven there you'll understand that he's speaking about that area uh, above us that we know as the heavens where the birds and the fowls of the air fly. Obviously, that place called heaven, which is the abode of, of Almighty God and of all the redeemed, that's never going to pass away because God is eternal. 
And uh, so it is, that will always be. So what does eternal mean then? What is eternity? It's where you and I are heading, beloved. Every one of us, right now, we are on our way to eternity. We come into this world on our way out. From the day you take your first breath of oxygen in this life, you're on your way out. Some get longer than others, but it's appointed unto us to leave this scene of time. It's an existence, eternity is an existence that will never end. Now that's, that's very difficult for our finite minds to comprehend. We are bound by time. We are creatures of time. Everything is measured in minutes, hours, days, months, years. And eternity time stands still. It doesn't pass. Here's a subject, and regrettably it's a subject that's it's not given sufficient thought. How many live as if they're here forever? We're not. Now you'll know that there's always somebody somewhere uh, carrying out a, a survey of one kind or another. Maybe you're plagued to some of these text messages or phone calls looking you to participate in a survey. Somebody conducted a survey, and a number of people were asked, what are their priorities in life? And uh, some 18% said, well, career is most important to them. 18%. 15% said it was other matters of personal interest. 11% put finances first. 8% said family security was of prime importance to them. 6% said education must come at the head of the list. 5% gave their preference to home improvement and property matters. And while 3% of that number uh, approached, they, they, they said recreation really is more important to them than anything else. But, you know, of the other 34%, not one gave any mention to the thought of where they will be after death. Nobody, not one said anything about the welfare of their immortal soul. Everybody was taken up with the things of earth, and not one mentioned being ready for eternity. Yet... As we've been saying, everything in this life is so temporary and eternity never ends. And the suddenness with which death can come, well, who knows? I mean, look at that explosion in Donegal. That could be any one of us. Purely innocent. So what seems? Going about their daily business. There's a bang. And ten souls are in eternity. Beloved, if you had been one of them, and it could happen in a garage in Cross Yard, where would you be now? No matter what men may have in this life, irrespective of what educational qualifications a person may have, their job prospects, their pensions, fortune, whatever, one day every soul will leave all behind. Everything. I've often said it doesn't matter what size of a house you're carried out of. You leave everything behind. No tow bar on a hearse. You don't take anything with you. I And, you know, eternally, many of us will be there 50 years' time. Some of us will be there in 30 years from now. Some maybe in 10 years. Some of us may be there next year. You know, there are people in eternity this evening who were alive this morning. Time's short. Life at best is very brief, like the falling of a leaf. It's lovely as you drive the roads these days to see all the colors of autumn. You ever think it's only, what, six or seven months since those were fresh green buds coming out on the branches of the trees? And where are they now? Withered and falling to the ground. How brief is the life of a leaf? And that's when, when you look at humanity. Life is just like that. So brief. 
80 souls every minute or thereabouts leave this earth and any one of us could be next. But if it happens to be you, beloved, are you ready to go? Are you saved? That's all that matters when death comes. The question we must all face is, where will you be in eternity? Again, I emphasize it, it matters nothing what you leave behind. Some people have a lot to leave. The preacher D.L. Moody said on his deathbed, Earth is receding, heaven is opening, God is calling, and I must go. He said, this is my triumph. This is my coronation day. Oh, what glad assurance that dear man had. What a glorious day it was for him. What a, what a, what a marvelous way to leave this earth. But in contrast to that, that ungodly wretch Voltaire, I'm sure you've read about him, when he was dying, he said he could see hell opening before him and he realized that his lifelong skepticism of the things of God had been a, a mistake. And he cried out in anguish, O oh Lord Jesus, I must die abandoned by God and men. His condition was so frightful that all his infidel associates fled from his bedside. And they couldn't watch. And his nurse said afterwards, and for all the wealth of Europe, she never wanted to see another infidel die. He could see hell opening before him. What is life? It is but the vestibule to eternity. Tell me, beloved, how will it be for you when you come to die? We stood at a graveside yesterday. I thank God it was a dear child of God. And when it came to dying, all she had to do was die. What about you? A couple of things I want to consider here. Firstly, the, the transience of life. Now, Paul says here that the, the things which are seen are temporal. Isn't it the truth that everything about us is given to decay? No matter where you look, everything sooner or later comes to an end. We sang those words a moment or two ago. Change and decay in all around I see. doesn't matter what may be your standing in this life. It matters not what earthly assets you may accumulate. One day, if they don't leave you, you will certainly leave them. It doesn't matter who lives in the biggest house. It will eventually crumble to dust. It doesn't matter what sort of a name you may make for yourself if you make a name. The only thing that matters is where your soul will be in eternity. And I, I emphasize eternity is forever. will never end. We can't grasp that, I know. But if you're interested in your own soul, beloved, then please give heed to this subject. Here's here was an apostle who knew all sorts of hardship in, in this world. Yes, he was privileged to be a great missionary and a gospel preacher, but he suffered for it along the way. He was hated and despised. He was often beat up. He was imprisoned. He suffered hunger, shipwreck. He'd seen it all. He'd been to Jerusalem, to Rome, to Ephesus. He'd seen people's fine mansions and their humbler abodes of, uh, of others. But through it all, he recognized as all temporary. Solomon probably had more than anybody else ever had. People used to come from far and wide just to see his palace and uh, all the, the pomp and show. And the, you remember when the Queen of Sheba came to visit, she, she was flabbergasted by it all. Said she'd never seen any, anything like it. But even Solomon himself had to concede it was all vanity. He realized he could do nothing with it except look at it. And while he was alive, and one day he had to say goodbye to it all. He died. 
and he took nothing with him. Oh, we, we dress up the human body to look as well as possible, don't we? But the years take their toll too. And you know, all the, the anti-aging creams and whatever man may produce, they may prolong youthful appearance for a while, but there's not a product ever been manufactured that can stop us getting older, nor can stop death coming on. So, so what if you look good in your coffin? Where's the benefit? Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they brought death upon all their posterity. We can never get away from the fact that death is coming and eternity is just a breath away. As we mentioned earlier, David said, there's but a step between me and death. How true that is. Yet men still don't make that all-important preparation. Why not? Fifty-three years ago, 17th of July, 1969, saw the first ever moon landing. Some of you may remember that. After that memorable event, Neil Armstrong uh, was in conversation with Princess Anne. <coughs> and she had chatted about his experience. And in the course of the conversation, she asked him about his space suit. She says, well, what would happen if it should get torn? Armstrong said, there is but one hundredth of an inch between life and eternity. Sometimes that's all there is. Eternity may be just a blink of an eyelid away. We're only one heartbeat away from eternity. A young man falls for a young lady's good looks. Everything's rosy. Many of you have been there. That's oh, lovely, isn't it? But give it a few years. And both he and she will start to show signs of wear. The frame's not made to last. Beauty's temporary. So too is strength. Exercise has its benefits, but its gains are not forever. King David was a, a mighty man of valor, yet with the passing of time, he came to the point where he, he, he couldn't get heat into his body. He, he had to have people attend him with when he could no longer do things for himself. Don't we see this all the time? It's reckoned that in 2001, the average life expectancy in America was just over 77 years. But 100 years previous to that, it was only 43. So advances in medicine seem to have brought some improvement, but people are still dying. And statistics show death affects one in every one. God's word says, it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the judgment. Oh, beauty is temporary. Strength is temporary. So too is wisdom and knowledge. How many people lament that they can't remember things the way they used to? I'm in that club. A man asked me on Tuesday night coming out of the prayer meeting, says, where were you last Sunday? Could I remember? I had to ask my wife, I could not remember. I know now, I can remember it now. Just caught on the spur of the moment. Couldn't remember where I'd been two days before. You're probably thinking, that must not been much of a meeting. But the memory, you know, it's not what it used to be. Everything about the human body is temporary. It wears out with some that comes quicker than others. And it begs the question, what are you living for? If everything is passing away, including the physical freedom, what, what's the purpose of life? Well, at least the apostle, while the Apostle Paul recognized the temporality of life, he, he could encourage himself in the knowledge that though he had endured much hardship, that would soon be over. 
Yes, men may have persecuted him, but he knew it was only for a little time. When, when he would die, it, it'd all be behind him, and he had that glad assurance that for him he'd be absent from the body and present with the Lord. That means everlasting life. There's no more sickness, no more sighing, no more sorrow, no more sin. Have you that hope, beloved? What are you living for? Is everything you do in life just to make you look good in your coffin? Is it just so people will say nice things about you when you're gone? They'll do that anyway. Even the biggest rascal in the country attracts lovely comments when they're standing around his grave. But do you have, beloved, within you the hope that this apostle had? Will you be with Christ, which is far better? Well, everything in this life is temporary. But then there's the timelessness of eternity. Paul says here, verse 18 again, the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Since it is appointed unto men once to die, Hebrews 9, 27, and because life is so short, then doesn't that mean that as far as the body is concerned, the few days we have to spend here are really spent or should be spent getting ready for the grave? This is probably a morbid subject. But it's a stark reality we're all going to have to face. That verse in Hebrews goes on to say, after this, the judgment. Beloved, what we need to get a grasp of is the awful truth that the soul never dies. That part of our being that is not seen as eternal, in other words, what lies beyond the grave is forever. Now, our finite minds, as we've said, we have great difficulty trying to fathom that prospect. To think that we'll never cease to be, it's hard for us to take in. But it's what God, God's Word teaches, so we better believe it. For the Christian, like that lady yesterday, It'll be joy forevermore. And she was looking forward to going home. She lost her husband about three years ago. She lost her daughter back in July. Had she just she'd had enough. She just wanted to go home. Today she's rejoicing. Her first Sabbath in glory. But for the unsaved, judgment forever. For the Christian, it's glory forever. For the unsaved, it's gloom forever. For the child of God, it'll be pleasure forever. For the unrepentant, pain forever. Torment of mind, read Luke 16. Unending lament. No rest. Agony. Torment of mind. Your thoughts whipping you. Day and every second, every minute, forever and ever, with no no relief, no let up. There isn't that much water in hell tonight. The rich man cried out that somebody would dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue. There isn't even that much in hell. That man died a couple of thousand years ago, and he's still there. His torment is as real this evening as it was the day he died. And there'll never be any let up in his condition. He's going to be crying out forever, forever for that drop of water, but he's never going to get it. And his cry will just go on and on. Oh, how hopeless. How hopeless is a lost eternity. Yet... This is what we can never understand. People determined not to have Jesus Christ in their life. And yet this is what they're headed for. Lost eternity. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, we, we, we don't deserve God's love. We don't deserve his salvation. It's all of grace. But it's offered freely. 
for the whosoever will. Revelation 14, 10, 11 tells us of the awful doom of the ungodly in hell, and it reads, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into his cup of indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image. Whosoever receiveth the mark, that introduces another subject that we haven't time to deal with this evening, the mark of the beast. We're fast approaching a cashless society, and they'll be wanting you to get that mark on your forehead or in your hand. So you walk into the bank and a wee scanner will read all your details and you'll not need money. But the word of God shows us that those who receive that mark will also receive God's damnation. Oh, it'll be difficult for the child of God, I understand that. But the Lord will look after his own. Wouldn't you rather die hungry and go to heaven than have everything and go to hell? Nothing changes in eternity. As it begins, so will it be. Always. Without end. Why? Because God is eternal. He is without beginning or ending. His eternality is one of the attributes of God. The psalmist said, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God. The things we can't see are eternal. God is eternal. You may remember back in July, I think it was, Britain's oldest veteran died at the age of 113. By today's standards, that's quite old. But what's, what's 113 years compared to eternity? It's nothing. Just a blink of an eye. John Newton said when considering heaven, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That's just how it'll be for the child of God. 10,000 years will come and go and we'll still be there. Where will you be? And you'll have only just started at that stage. It's never going to end. If you're in hell, there's no end, no end to look forward to. I, I mean, what are you living for, beloved, in this life? What is there on this earth that's worth missing heaven for? Make no mistake about it. We are all born in sin. And therefore, we all start off in this life, on the road to a lost eternity? And in case you're concerned about babies dying, no. Under the covenant of grace, babies will be taken to be with the Lord. But well, we don't have any babies, I don't think, in the gathering this evening. Beloved, we're all old enough, wise enough to understand. We're born sinners, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Christ died for sinners. Everlasting life is free. It's the gift of God. We all understand that. And if you are without it, if you haven't got it, if you haven't claimed it, then, beloved, you are without excuse. Because of the presence of sin, we all start out in life on the way to a lost eternity. And if it hadn't been for God providing a remedy for sin, in the death of his own son, we would have no hope whatever of ever seeing heaven. We'd have nothing, nothing whatsoever to look forward to except the caverns of the damned forever. But Jesus has come. He has died in the sinner's place. Died there on that cross to buy us peace with God. Shed his own life's blood. You know, how many people are depending today upon the good they do, 
hoping that all their good living and good works will, will tip the balance in their favor when they come to meet God. It's not going to happen. And, and if, if we could get to heaven that way, then there was no need for Christ to come into the world. But he did come because there was no other way that man could be saved. And so he has given his life to buy us pardon from sin if we accept his offer of free grace. And when you do that, you're instantly lifted off the road to hell and set on the way to heaven. Beloved, get a hold of this. We've said it already. I say it again. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and trust Christ and receive him as Savior and Lord. And because this eternity is forever, and because Christ is our only hope, can you think of one reason why any man, woman, or child would not want to seize the opportunity and trust him to be saved? This brings us to our last thought here, the choice you have to make. You may get a few years in this life, just a few. For all we know, most of your life is already over. But because eternity is forever, why run the risk of ending up in hell when the way of escape is open to you? I mean, how can you think about, how can you not think about preparing to meet God? God is just, he must deal with sin. He must punish sin. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. But he punished his own son, don't forget, so that you wouldn't have to be punished. But by rejecting him, you volunteer yourself for a lost eternity. How can anyone reject Christ, who's the only one who can save you from going to hell? Why would any man say no to heaven? It, it, does sin mean that much to you? That you would hold on to it to your very last breath? Now, beloved, don't and now some do make the mistake, but don't you do it. Don't live with the idea that when you, when, when you think you're going to die, you, in those last few seconds you'll call on God. Don't live with that notion. Too many have lived like that. And when the last moments came, God was the last thing in their mind. There is a time when you can be saved. There's also a time when you can't. And the time when you can't is when God stops speaking. God says in Genesis 6 and 3, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, he does strive with sinners. I thank God for that. And if you feel troubled about your sin, that's because the Lord is troubling you. He's dealing with you. He's striving with you. But he may not always. And if tonight he stops speaking, then you can come looking for him tomorrow and the rest of your life. You'll not find them. What you do in this meeting, what you do with Christ this night, may very well decide your future. This might be your last opportunity. Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, while the times, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. If you don't do it in time, you won't know those times of refreshing. All you'll have to look forward to is times of languishing in a lost sinner's hell. Don't go there, beloved. The glory of the saved soul is forever. The agony of the lost soul is forever. If the joy of the Christian is forever, so too is the torment of the one that's lost. So you have a choice to make. Heaven with Christ. Or hell without him. It's that serious. Now consider that. Christ went to the cross. To settle this matter. For you. For you. He loves you. He hates your sin but he loves your soul. Your sin stands between you and God. If you don't give it up, then that sin will take you to hell forever.
for all eternity. You may have heard of a man by the name of Arthur Stace. Lived in Sydney in Australia. Somewhere he heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Realized he was a sinner. Realized he was heading for a lost eternity. Cried to God for mercy. Asked the Lord to save him. Was gloriously converted by the grace of God. The man couldn't read or write. But he, when he found Christ, he knew something happened. He knew life. And uh, though he was very poorly educated, he determined from the day he got saved, he determined he would do something to further the cause of the gospel. And he asked somebody who could write to teach him in nice penmanship to write the word eternity. And somebody showed him how to do it and he practiced and practiced. And then he went out and uh, he started to write it on the walls of buildings around the city. He wrote it on the pavement. No matter where you went, he was writing a lovely, uh, lovely penmanship, eternity. Just the one word. And he came to be known all over Sydney. Everybody, he earned the nickname Mr. Eternity. Everybody got to know him. Uh, and nobody, nobody condemned him. In fact, when he died, they erected a statue in his memory. And you know what it says on the bottom of it? Eternity. Just the one word. But it prompts thinking, doesn't it? I mean, if you were to see the word eternity, what does it make you think? You just close your mind to it? Yeah, it doesn't concern me. It does. It concerns everybody. We're all heading for it. Supposing, God forbid, but supposing you're caught up in an explosion this week in a garage, supermarket, or something, or an accident of some other sort, where will you be? Die from natural causes. Where will you be? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Where will you be in eternity? That, that's all that matters. Will you be with Christ, with those who trusted him? Or will you be in the caverns of the damned, without hope beloved there's only one remedy there's only one way to make ready and we attempted to sing that wee song just as I am that's the way you come to Christ yes you have to prepare for eternity if you want to be in heaven but you don't have to prepare to come to Christ. You come just the way you are. All your worries, all your, no, matter, no matter what you have or haven't, come just the way you are and acknowledge, Lord, I'm the poor sinner that Christ died for. And you save me by thy grace. Take away my sin. Blot out all my transgressions. Give me Christ to be my Savior. Fit me for heaven. And you know what? The Lord will do it. How do we know? Because he has promised in his word, him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Beloved, it's between you and God now. Where will you be in God's eternity? We'll not take time for a closing hymn. Let's bow together in prayer. If your heart has been challenged, you know you're not ready for eternity. You don't want to, you don't want to be lost in the darkness the caverns of the dam, the lake of fire forever and forever. 
You don't want to go there wishing, oh, if only I had come that Sunday night. If only I had listened to the Lord and allowed him to save me. Beloved, if, if you're concerned, would you speak with us before you go? We're not embarrass anybody. But if you're concerned, speak with us or speak with a Christian friend that you know. But whatever you do, don't you risk missing heaven. Come tonight and let the Lord save you and prepare you for his eternity. Our Father, I ask thee to take what's of thyself. Bring this truth home to every waiting heart. But we must needs prepare for what lies after death. Forbid, Lord, that any dear soul, either in this meeting house or watching online, should trifle with sin. Treat this as a light matter. Rather, Lord, give that needed grace and that dear one might come even this, this very hour and lay hold upon Christ, the one whom to know is life eternal. Oh, we thank thee for the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for what thou hast promised to those that trust thee, the gift of God, eternal life. May many claim it for themselves even this night. And we pray that thou will be glorified even in the salvation of the lost. Blessed to this end, we ask of thee, part us in thy fear and with thy favor, but speak on, Lord, to every waiting heart. Bring souls to Christ. Extend thy kingdom. Bring glory to thy great name. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.